It's DTS 203, and we have Iron Banner 6v6, the first of Season 3, giving our feedback, that controversial emote, plus information on the exotic armor changes coming, as well as Anthem at E3 2018. All that and more coming up. You're listening to Destiny The Show. What's good, everybody, and welcome to the DTS Podcast. My name is BBK Dragoon. I'm joined, as always, by Diddy. What is up, dude? You having a good holiday weekend? I am, yeah. We stayed in. I am doing oven-baked wings here in just a minute, and yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. That is delicious grilling ribs tonight, so I'm very, very excited. So uh, today's show is probably going to be a shorter one. Um, we really don't have a whole lot of brand new news to talk about, but we need to recap kind of 6v6 Iron Banner stuff, uh, as well as the exotic armor changes that are coming in 1.2.1 or something like that. I can't remember the numbers right now because it's a <laughs> holiday. And then uh, Anthem confirmed to be at E3. It might be fun to talk about what we hope to see from it at that presentation and then maybe bleed that into a, a Destiny-related discussion about what the Taken Queen stuff we want to see would be like. So why don't we just groove into the news? All right, dude, it was Iron Banner 6v6. I played a lot of it, and I didn't really get the chance to play much Bannerfall, ironically. But oh, yeah? I did get a chance <laughs> to play a lot of the uh, the DLC maps from Curse of Osiris that I haven't had the chance to play much of in the Warmind maps, and uh, just enjoyed it. It was a really fun week. I think 6v6, dude, I wish sixes were in this game all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's The flow of the game in sixes is just better in my opinion uh you know i talk a lot about controlled chaos on the podcast and i think 6v6 and destiny is it feels like home you know destiny one was all about that so it feels right yeah it's just quick enough and busy enough to where i care less about the the game if that makes sense like it's more relaxed even though yes it is that more controlled chaos you just you're in the action faster Sassy got the most ridiculous Reaper last night when we were playing together. Really? Just, yeah, I was playing with some of the Pineapple Boys and him, and I'll put some of the games into uh, in today's footage, but there was there were a lot of quick matches. Let's just put it that way. It was very fun. <laughs> Valor uh, is not active in Iron Banner, and I, I think that's kind of a missed opportunity. I wish the Valor rank would continue upwards while you're playing Iron Banner, just because it's... I don't understand why you would separate the two. Like... Yeah, I mean, it seems the Valor should be that global rating of yeah. how much Destiny PvP do you play? Not how good you are, not a skill ranking, but like how much you play Destiny PvP. I think I think you're right. It should be in Iron Banner as well. Even though it's a seasonal or a, a monthly event, it should be there. Yeah, and maybe maybe in the next one, but that was my one uh, critique. I know the community has a big critique because holy cow, that emote controversy <laughs> blew up huge. So Tess is selling a really cool Iron Banner emote where you get the the big axe and it's like this really nifty holographic emote and it's not purchasable with bright dust. You got to be busting out the wallet or the silver in order to pick this thing up, I believe. And a lot of folks wanted this to be an Iron Banner-specific reward, especially since weapon-wise, none of the weapons this time around really were that great of a pursuit. And so this looked like the coolest 
thing to go after, especially these season uh, players who are looking forward to it. This is the first one of season three, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eyeball that right there. And, of course, since it's not really obtainable without bringing in an element of, like, real-world money, then the flames were stirred and people were frustrated. I don't like it. You don't like it, Diddy, but I'm going to wager that both of us at this point are so... What's the, what would be the right word here to say kindly? We just we're past the point of caring. Does that make sense? <laughs> apathy. You're looking for apathy. I think we're yeah, just so apathetic just about these kinds of changes. Yeah, it's just happened so much, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> we're tired of it at this point. And I think it would have not been an issue if you could also obtain it through gameplay. It it could have been an insane amount of gameplay, like. Let's say twenty hours of your of a of a week long event. Twenty hours to get to that emote. I think it would have been a, it would have been better, better Not reaction. Like Fifty rank up packages, and then that's and when you see the emote, then you know, okay, that guy played a boatload of season three Iron Banner to pick that thing up. Yeah, exactly. Warframe does this well because you can buy everything with real world world money, but you can also grind for it, and mm-hmm. that's the game, right? Have the grind and then have the option to pay for it with real world money for those of you, for those players who want to. Yeah. And the backbone of their model when most people pick up Warframe go, wow, this is stupid. Why would you can buy everything? But if, if you play it for longer than, you know, an hour or two, you realize, oh, the fun is actually in collecting this gear. They've made the gameplay loop fun enough to where it's that is what I want to do. I want to go out and gar- grind for that particular piece of gear because when I get it, then it's satisfying rewarding versus, oh, I'll just spend 200 plat on that to get it off of Warframe.market, you know. So I enjoyed Sixes, other than the emote deal. Um, the TWAB talked about Escalation Protocol, and did you and I actually went over this when the TWAB came out last Thursday. So I'm going to read here uh, from lead designer Jacob Benton about Escalation Protocol saying, Escalation Protocol, and I quote here, was designed to be a high-difficult endgame activity for a max-level three-player fire team. Other players in the world can contribute to make it easier, but they shouldn't be required as long as your team is highly skilled and coordinated. We've received a lot of feedback since the original launch of Destiny 2 that players felt like reaching max power was not satisfying. There weren't enough activities that required and rewarded that level of commitment. Escalation Protocol was designed to fill that gap. So, Diddy, it really wasn't designed for nine players. It actually was designed for three people, but it was fully targeting max level, a three-player max <laughs> level team. What do you make of that? That's It's really interesting to hear that from one of the designers, right? I think... I hope they don't nerf the difficulty, right? I still want it to be that endgame activity that's very difficult, even even with three people, right? It's an endgame, three-person activity not designed for nine. I think one of the main issues here, and we've said it before, is the avenues to uh, the highest light level, it seems to be almost time-gated. It's just, it's not, there are not enough avenues for the regular player to get max light or a decent enough light level to actually participate in Escalation Protocol with two of his other buddies. So I think, I think, let me clarify further on your point because you're hitting on it, but the, the details matter on this one because if you're doing everything every single week, including your Leviathan, your Prestige Leviathan, both the raid layers, 19 milestones, 
versus if you're a solo player doing the stuff that's just solo, you're not hitting any LFG sites, I think it's five milestones in and around that ballpark. So if you've got a crew and you guys are hitting it hard, that is why you see a big discrepancy with people in the 360s and low 370s versus the guys who are rocket ship far and away hitting those max light levels or getting closer to it earlier on. And that's the, the point that I kind of want to hit on here on, on two levels. We talked about it last time. Tools to find other players to do stuff with in, like in the game. Not guided games and not using third-party sites. There's so many great opportunities for different LFG systems that you can place into this game so you can find others to do these tough activities with. And then the other idea that I had here with Escalation Protocol, it is a cool activity. And I actually love that it is challenging and the fact that they designed it for max power players. That's cool. However, scalability is, in my opinion, fairly easy with all of this. You just adjust the, the power level uh, value for all of these enemy types. Why, why wouldn't you create two or three versions of Escalation Protocol? Exact same enemy waves and enemy types, but the power level is tweaked, and the rewards are tweaked as well. I mean, it's the same idea like in WoW. You can go do uh, the LFR, which is the match-made raid system in the game, and it's a joke. It's super easy. It's called tourist mode for a reason. The rewards aren't that great, but it lets you see the raid content and experience it match-made. So if there's story stuff, you get to see it. Then there's normal mode, not match-made, and it's much more challenging. And then obviously you can step up into like hard or heroic and then mythic, that kind of stuff. And so th think about it from that perspective. If Escalation Protocol was a selectable node, you can match-make into it, and they had two or three difficulty levels. Still keep that max level one. That's going to be rewarding, but then a lot of people are going to get the chance to play it and try it, you know? Yeah, that sounds great. I think that is a great solution to, to this problem. So I agree with you, though. I hope they don't end up changing it. They did mention at the end of it that uh, they're monitoring things, but they have no intention of changing anything just yet or revealing what they're going to change. So, All right, transitioning into the next part of the TWAB, six exotic armor pieces are seeing changes, Diddy. And uh, two for each class. The Titans, it's the Syntheseps and the Lion Rampart. The Syntheseps, um, they're basically changing the melee damage depending on the number of enemies that surround you so now it grants hmm. a flat bonus to melee and super damage when you're surrounded by three or more enemies the buff is retained for a short duration after you are no longer surrounded and then for the lion rampant you can hip fire while lift is active without interrupting it and your aerial hip fire doesn't have an aerial accuracy penalty huh weird i like that a lot I think that's, I actually think that's a good change. So will will I have a laser beam? Can I jump shoot like <laughs> Halo now with my lion rampant on? I mean, no bloom, right? So uh, use your hand cannons. There you go. <laughs> For the hunter, we have the dragon shadow and the mechaneer's trick sleeves. I failed so hard there, dude. So the dragon <laughs> shadow. Dodging reloads all weapons simultaneously. Ooh. The effects of Wraith Metal Mail now also include a bonus to mobility. Do you, have you ever worn the Dragon's Shadow? No. Yeah. Orpheus Rigs for life. I know. <laughs> I, I have not used any other exotic since I got them. I know they exist. I know other Hunter exotic armor pieces are good. But Orpheus Rigs are just too good to pass up. You're enjoying it way too much. I hear yes. you there. Dude. <laughs> Sanguine Alchemy, the new Warlock chest exotic, is insane. I don't even want to say what it does on the show, <laughs> but just 
if somebody has them on and you see a rift, you may want to step into the rift, and that's all I'm going to say because they're probably going to get nerfed eventually. When they first came out, everybody's like, wow, these are super trash, but nobody realized like how to use it. So for the Warlock, the Luna Faction boots, they're changing these to where the rift reload is automatic instead of being activated on entry and exit. Empowering rift makes weapons more effective at extended ranges. Rock solid meh for me. And then the Sun Bracers, the original effect replaced with increases the duration of solar grenades solar melee kills grant unlimited solar grenade energy for a brief time so i guess they're trying to get people to use the bracers <laughs> i'm sorry ophidium aspects they're we're like the same thing diddy we, we just i think we sorry, have what we love they're off. good we have what we love and we stick with it yeah exactly but i don't think i think we just skipped over what the mechaneers trick sleeves actually are upgrading to okay oh yeah so, i skipped it didn't i i apologize yeah so there we, we just got sidetracked with the best hunter exotic armor piece in the game orpheus rigs uh but the uh the mechaneers trick sleeves <laughs> are going to do uh swapping to a sidearm while critically wounded greatly increases its damage so uh i actually might want to try that out because i love using sidearms just because they're so silly and greatly increasing damage yeah okay let's go it, they should have said mightily that would have <laughs> instantly i would have you know rolled a hunter mightily increased damage on these thingies all right the next bungee versus you've got vicarious visions going against bungee may 30th at 11 a.m twitch.tv slash slash bungee uh dmg cosmo Kevin Giannis and Victor Anderson are going to be on Team Bungie, and Barry Morales, Chris Pietro Carly, Patty Hennessy, and Dave Keenan are going to be Team VV. Wait, wait, okay, hang on. You got yeah. two artists, an engineer, and a producer versus both community managers, a crucible designer, and a sandbox designer? I know. I'm throwing my hat into the Team Bungie. That seems way too one-sided to me, but hey. Nothing against artists. I know plenty of artists who are fantastic at the game. So I want our last visions, Let's bring the heat. I want our last bet on this one. So I'll take Team VV. I don't have <laughs> super high confidence. I love you guys, but I'm just saying, if if we win, I think the payout's huge. Because odds wise, I'm with Diddy. I think Bungie has <laughs> the odds in their favor for this guy. So good luck. No, to I'm teams. I'm calling it right now. Patty Hennessy is gonna come out clutch. Legend legendary <laughs> turns out he beat spire of stars before anyone else did all right uh before we move on to the anthem talk since it's a light news week we know we're getting an overhauled weapon system this fall diddy and there's a lot of flaws with the current weapon system lots of complaints about sameness not a lot of differences between archetypes the static roles create less incentive etc I don't think Bungie would ever do this, but I want to throw it out there. Would it be beneficial for them to sort of lift the curtain and let us see what they're doing with the overhauled weapon system before the Taken Queen gets released? Almost a beta test or beta feedback on this weapon system's overhaul, whether it be a blog post, whether it be maybe even a beta client. I'm saying, unrealistically, I don't believe any of this is going to happen, but do you think it would be positive if it was made available for public feedback. Absolutely. Even if it's not playable, do a dedicated stream or something uh, because we all know how great Bungie streams are. But I think showing it in, 
in something other than just a trailer, I think would be beneficial. Give time for feedback before you actually put it into the Taken Queen launch. Like at E3, reveal what your ideas are. And then you have a month or two to actually make some changes based on community feedback and then put it in the game. I think that would be beneficial because I had to go back to Warframe, but Warframe did this with their damage, right? Their their recent damage mm-hmm. update? 2.5 or whatever. Yeah, and they released some ideas and they said, no, that's, the community said, no, that's trash. Don't do that at all. And they said, okay, we're not going to touch it until 3.0 drops. Yep, they completely scrapped it because the community reacted very negatively towards it, but with a good constructive heart going, no, no, that takes the game in the wrong direction. Don't go after it. I agree with you that I think this kind of change is massive. And if they miss the mark on this one, bad. Super, super bad. And at the same time, though, I don't think Bungie would do that. Because to a certain extent, a creative director has to be able to take risks without always public opinion, scrutinizing every single choice that they make. But in the case of where Destiny 2 is at and Bungie is at, more feedback the better, in my opinion. Like, if they had been hitting home runs left, right, and center, I think you get more leverage to do stuff in private without feedback from the outside. You get kind of what I mean. Like, you you earn trust. You earn trust. So if you're, like, hitting home runs, you're getting that trust. The trust isn't necessarily there, especially when we're talking about a really big overhaul. And this one, I don't know. I agree. Maybe we could see and hear some more dedicated talk, posts, et cetera, about it over the summer. That would now, be my hope. It's really funny you mentioned that building trust within both Bungie leadership themselves and the community. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happened with Luke Smith, right? He designed Vault of Glass yeah. and then the Taken King, and then he was given Destiny 2, and that was not so great. So maybe Chris Barrett, right? Maybe he could help. I wish you could see a unified creative lead that is the creative head dude of the whole game. Because, okay, Noseworthy and Luke Smith have completely disappeared from the map. You know they're cooking on Destiny 3, but they immediately dipped after the press cycle. Yeah, which I would play Cryptark Candy Crush. Just letting you know, King, you do it, I'll spend money. Done. Engram exceptionalism whatever noseworthy and luke smith went off the radar immediately after d2 was released okay well these are the dudes you are the headpiece the director of the movie okay and to then pass the buck off to other people who didn't make destiny 2 vanilla it creates this disjointedness to where well who who's driving this ship who is the guy that's driving it? Well, we're done with it. They give it to the other guys. Now we're working on the next thing that we're going to do. So not only that, but the tone of the game overall can change drastically yep. by just passing it off. I'm trying to see exactly what Ian Hazacostas' role is. Um, Ian Hazacostas is now the uh, game director of World of Warcraft, and he's had that position now for quite some time. But he he has been the center like figurehead of the game for four or five years now. He's involved in the streams. He's involved with the press. He's at the announcements. But when big controversial changes are being made, he is that voice. You know he's sort of the dude, the captain at the top of the ship for WoW 
and that is that consistency puts a foundation under the game so man how do we get on that topic <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anthem's confirmed to be at e3 2018 what do we want to see from e3 uh with anthem like at the presentation did he if you were the guy putting it together what kind of stuff do you want to showcase or even as a wannabe player like what do you want to see from anthem uh honestly some type of open world proof yeah right yes. I, I would say something that shows that the world is living as well yeah um you know we've always talked about this living world with destiny and it feels artificial but yes. once you progress through the story npcs say different things to you um, obviously we think anthem's going to be a social world as well so players coming in and out you know I'd, I'd love to see 15 people going into the wild into the forest and just destroying some mobs and some bosses that would be that would be crazy cool me too uh i i think i reinforce your thing here where the demo they showed off was very scripted. Like, it yeah. was totally, yes. <laughs> totally scripted. They knew it was going to happen. They pulled out the uh, the voice actor things like, scan him over there. I see a rocket available. <laughs> that kind of deal. <laughs> because you know that's what you tell your friends sitting on the couch doing heroic strikes all weekend, right? You've seen Ubisoft trailers, dude. They do this so much. <laughs> like, the Division trailers. Yes. <laughs> Should we go after them? Beep, boop. Yeah, let's do it. And it was nothing like the dark zone. Okay, sorry. I'd love to see some real, like, you got some group of people just fighting something, and one person just says, oh, hang on, my mom asked yeah. me to go unload the dishwasher or something. <laughs> or, hey, if, the pizza's yeah. here. Hang on, give me a second. <laughs> if the Division trailer was honest, and you just hear, like... <laughs> oh, my gosh. You hear some, uh, some teenager shouting to his parents, it's an online game. Yeah. I can't pause it. Yeah. <laughs> just 21 minutes important uh yeah so maybe a demo that's not as scripted i agree with you like let's get a sense of actually what this game is and the biggest thing for me hopefully they can demonstrate effective storytelling because this is bioware and i know there's been a ton of departures from the company at the higher level the last few years but these guys their bread and butter is some great storytelling if you look back at the mass effect series you know i love two and three the original was really fun. I didn't play Andromeda. I heard very mixed things about Andromeda, but like cool storytelling would be pretty rad. Other than that, what are you looking forward to or what would you want to see? I This is going to sound really weird. I don't want to see PVP at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to see a more MMO RPG shooter, right? You mentioned yes. Mass Effect. I'd love to see a Mass Effect open world social living universe i agree that that would focus on the story focus on the lore player immersion that kind of thing that's what i really want to see how rpg is the game that builds off of your last expectation like how rpg or how action focused is this game what kind of customization options are going to be available for your mech suit thing and then quite honestly if they really want to go for the good gut punch and attract the looter shooter community if they can show off or tease the depth and like the breadth of the content that makes up anthem if they come swinging saying this is a game we want you to play for a billion hours it's got all the maps and things and the gear the gear is the best if you do that right now i'm telling you climate wise 
The Destiny player base's eyes will begin to glisten and glow bigger as they're like, oh, lots of things to do and stuff and collect. <laughs> yeah, Timing-wise, they really do have quite a bit of momentum here. Obviously, Warmind has improved the sentiment of Destiny 2, but it's nowhere near the level of competition they would be facing if they were in a Destiny 1 Age of Triumph era. You know? Yeah, I was about to say, if they dropped Anthem last year yeah. with during destiny age of triumph man it would have been hard to tear people away from destiny at that point but mm -hmm. like you said they've got a really good window of opportunity right here yep what's well, ea so uh yeah i have no idea so uh pay 80 dollars to play not darth vader um you know well, <laughs> or play for like you said a billion hours i can't tell where they're at okay so battlefield 5 was revealed this last week there's no loot boxes and there's no premium the game will still have currency that you can buy with real money though you can only buy cosmetic customization items and nothing that actually impacts gameplay they reinforce that over and over and over again through the reveal presentation which i still don't trust ea i still want to see the game and know like where are you <laughs> playing me what what do you mean no premium or you know what would be really cool and it's not going to happen but they show its depth and its breadth, like how much content there is at launch. Yeah. And then they drop $30 price tag. That would be crazy. I would most likely buy it at that point if it had way more content than, let's say, Destiny's the easiest comparison. Let's say Destiny at Age of Triumph. If it had, if it had more content compared to Destiny at Age of Triumph and it was $30, done, sold easy it's not gonna happen that's a pipe dream but i can dream you're right though if somebody goes in and changes the pricing model up it does impact the way you value a game immensely yeah right? and the reason i say that is because of microtransactions right a 60 dollars game plus microtransactions is a bit much these yeah. days yeah it feels uncomfortable it's like when you go to a restaurant and the guacamole is like six dollars and you're like <laughs> would you like a dollop of sour cream sir Dude, the steak is really expensive. The potato, it should come with it. You know when you <laughs> yeah, go to those nice places and all the sides are listed out like oregano, three fifty. What? No. <laughs> it's a garnish, sir. <laughs> yeah, but they make the guac in front of you. That's a, <laughs> that's a service fee that they're adding on top of. That's labor. You're paying for labor. It's like you're, you're, you're getting your card fixed at the mechanic shop. You're paying <laughs> went, for labor, labor at that point. I went to this nice Mexican food restaurant. And they had the tableside guac person walking around with the cart, kind of yes. like a street performer, like waiting for them <laughs> to be hailed like a taxi cab, like dangling it in front of your face. And it's just like, I don't like that. I mean, I want the guacamole, but it's so expensive. And you don't even like flip the scoops, you know, if you're like throwing them up in the air, maybe. Kind of like, like a cocktail. What is it? Hibachi or whatever. Uh, Geng Genghis Grill or, or something oh, like that. Oh, I know that. you're That's talking. That's where they uh, do the, Tommy, they... Tommy Hanna or whatever? No. <sighs> whatever. The, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The you one where they <laughs> flip the knives and everything. That'd be really cool. But just a really quick side note. I finally got a mortar and pestle so I can make my own guac now. Like a legit person. So there you go. Doggone it. I know what it is and it's on the tip of my, my mouth because the apartment complex... <laughs> next to me in college used to be one of those restaurants and then they turned it into the weirdest looking apartment <laughs> complex dude it's like 
Once you're a Pizza Hut, you're always a Pizza Hut. No matter what, you see from the outside the Pizza Hut. Yep. All right, man. Where can people find your content? Twitter.com slash DiddyDTS and D... Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Cannot talk. And YouTube.com slash Wooshness, W-O-O-O-S-H-N-E-S-S. It's a Benihana, right? Sure. Let's go with that. I think so. Okay. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Destiny the Show. Also on our website, destinytheshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube at BBK Dragoon. And remember to join the conversation in our big Discord, discord.me slash destiny show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk again with you next time. Bye.